Well, a big step up by the Fed, 75 basis points and more to come at the next meeting and for the rest of the year. So will it work and what are the market impacts? And that issue about the impact of rate rises in southern European economies, the ECB held an emergency meeting overnight to look at just that. And if two central banks isn't enough, the Bank of England later on as well. A much more moderate lift there seems likely, but you know, you never know, do you? It's Thursday, the 16th of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, it certainly moved markets, the uh, press conference and the uh, Fed announcement this morning. We were seeing a small increment in the US dollar on the DXY, but then since the Fed, a swift change in direction, it's now 0.7% down. That has helped the Aussie dollar that was already doing pretty well, but it's up over 2% now, back over 70 US cents. The pound is up 1.6%, 0.4% for the euro. The US dollar is down 1.4% on the Japanese yen. Shares are higher, rising higher during the Fed press conference. We We had uh, the Nasdaq at 1.4% just before the press conference, up 3.2% after, before closing 2.5% up. The Dow went from 0.3% up to 1.6%, but closed at 1%. The S&P, well, it didn't move much after the Fed, but it's uh, 1.3% this morning. Bitcoin was down another 7.3% today, but about 2.5% up. After the conference, close to 18,000 now, but falling below 16,700 in this session, which is particularly bad news if you bought it at just under 50,000. Bond yields are down, falling lower during the press conference as well. 17 basis points for 10-year treasuries. 13 of those came since the Fed announcement. Two years are down 20 basis points. The big falls, though, uh, have been in Europe, well, as well as, uh, you know, 20 is pretty big, isn't it? But 11 or 12 points down for 10 years in the UK and Germany. But Southern Europe, we, this is where we saw the big falls, 36 points down for 10 years in Italy, 45 down in Greece. Wow. Uh, we'll look at the reasons behind that in just a moment. But let's start with the Fed. A 75 basis point rise, not entirely unexpected, not as bad as 1%, which some had looked at. Uh, They are aiming for an interest rate of 3.4% by the end of the year. Let's look at that with Ray Atrell from NAB in Sydney. It's it's quite a big rise. It could have been bigger, but it's just the beginning, isn't it? Or it's the next one of many more to come. That's right. Yes, so morning, Phil. But 75 obviously was was nailed on in terms of pricing over those, uh, uh, following those um, various media reports in in the sort of the lead up to the meeting, at least. So no surprise there. I think what the market latched onto and, and probably explains most of the the post-Fed uh, reactions that we've seen uh, is the comment from uh, Fed Chair Powell in the press conference that um, he doesn't expect moves of today's size to be common and that 50 or 75 was most likely at the next meeting. So bearing in mind that um, ahead of the Fed, the market was pretty fully priced for a follow-up 75 basis point move uh, at the July meeting. Um, you know, that's where the reaction has come. So um, looking at pricing sort of 10 minutes or so ago, it looks like that 75 basis point pricing for July has come in to about 66 basis points. So the market's kind of halfway between 50 and 75. But, um, you know, and we also had a, a one dissenter, Esther George, the Kansas Fed president, who's traditionally seen as one of the more hawkish members, uh, dissented in favour of 50 basis points. So uh, no doubt she'll, she'll explain that decision at some point, but I suspect that it's maybe as much to do with communication, having uh, you know, made it very clear you know, running into the meeting that 50 was most likely, and then obviously that flip 
uh, obviously following last Friday's CPI. So yeah. um, that'd be interesting to see what well, she says about that. But um, yeah, I, I, know, I, I guess there, the, was, there were some people who, when they going in, who said, well, actually, it may actually be 100 basis points. So we didn't go that way. But we're getting yes, there the, was that. The expectation is 3.4%, looking at the dot plots, 3.4% by the end of the year. Uh, and uh, then getting up to uh, th- somewhere between 3.8% to 4% next year before getting back to 3.4% in uh, in 2024. So that's the sort of time scale that they're looking at. They are committed. Uh, that was the other interesting word, wasn't it? True turning inflation down to 2%, which sort of sounds like, you know, a commitment means you w- we're going to do whatever it takes, which I think some people are taking as meaning, yep, uh, well, y- even if it's not a soft landing, you, you're, ex- you'll accept, you're committed to this. So an economic downturn, if necessary, is, is something we'll have to live with. Yeah, there was a bit, of, a bit of a change of wording on that sort of 2%. So it was a little bit less sort of unequivocal, if you like. But, um, but as you say in the press conference, the determination uh, to get there certainly shone through. Um, as you say, so just on those um, on the new dots, so we've got another, um, you know, we've got another what 150 basis points yeah. to come this year in the next four meetings. Um, assuming that the median dot is is, is the, the Fed's current best guess of what they'll do, um, and so how will that be sliced and diced? So, <clears throat> you know, you could have 50, 50, 25, 25, for example. That that's one option. Um, you know, or 75, and then we revert to, to 25, 25, 25, or 75, 50, and then, uh, and then a 25. So you can slice this this many ways, I suppose. But I think the other thing, again, that markets might have seen is that obviously the 2024 uh, median dot is now, well, between 325 and 350 um, versus 375 for 2023. So that sort of gives a bit of a nod to market pricing, which is, is effectively saying we think you're going to be cutting rates as early as the second half of 2023, and they're not going that far, um, but they are acknowledging that uh, the conditions for, for, for starting to ease policy may, could be in place as early as um, 2024. So I think probably the market's quite liked right, yeah, that particular message. But is it, going, um, is it achievable? That's the, that's the question. So I, I, Bill Dudley was on Bloomberg just a few moments yeah. ago, former president of the New York Fed, of course. Um, he says, you know, these forecasts are remarkably optimistic. You know, are they really able to do this? He's saying, you know, they're, they're talking about the unemployment rate, uh, you know, getting to 4.1%, which he says is, you know, something that you can see, see as being consistent with stable inflation. Right. So they're not predicting any of the any of the hair that's going to, that's going to be necessary to to achieve what they want to achieve. No, absolutely. And uh, you know that said, you know when has a central bank anywhere you know predicted or forecast a hard landing and a recession? But um, you know we have got the unemployment rate um, now forecast up at four point one percent. By 2024, it was previously 3.6, but um, I don't think anyone would consider 4.1% to be the equivalent of a of a recession or a hard landing. But um, yes, I have a lot of sympathy for Bill Dudley, and um, having watched um, Top Gun Maverick on the weekend. You know, my sort of conclusion there was that I don't think Tom Cruise is capable of soft landing the U.S. economy. So, um, you know, I right. think the markets will be will be somewhat sceptical that this is this is possible here. And and the other thing I think worth noting is that if you go just go back to the May meeting, remember the market's initial take was that it was seen as a, a dovish fifty point rate hike, and the market seems to have taken today's um, decision as a dovish seventy five basis point hike. But fast forward twenty four hours back in May, and the market. 
completely reversed it, its view of that. So um, mm. I am sceptical in that sense that um, the reaction that we've seen in bonds and equities and the US dollar is, is, is sustainable. Yeah, well, he did say they're going to follow the data and uh, adjust the path accordingly. It seems like the, the one that one thing that they really do want to keep an eye on is, is obviously inflation expectations. That's what they're trying to control. So uh, keeping a keen eye on the University of Michigan uh, in, inflation expectations really, is going to be pretty important. Uh, at that uh, point that Bill Dudley was making as well today. Well, actually, Powell has made the same uh, made the same point. He said he played up, you know, Powell played up the significance of that rise in the University of Michigan's five to ten year inflation expectations reading um, that was showing the first signs, really, of perhaps expectations becoming what we would call unanchored. And he also emphasised. Uh, the significance of, of headline CPA, CPI as far as um, expectations were concerned. So um, uh, NAB clients are on the call you know, on Friday would have received an interesting research note from uh, from Rodrigo uh, that really played to that point, saying that, look, headline inflation, um, that potentially you know, that is obviously you know, driven in large part by what's happening with food and energy prices that are excluded from the core measures, you know, can actually be in certain circumstances that maybe the ones that we're in are actually leading things like core inflation. And obviously, from a, you know, from a, a consumer's point of view, in terms of, you know, where they're feeling the pain of higher prices, headline inflation is more important. And uh, as I say, it's a bit of a sop from uh, from Jay Powell um, to that, uh, to that if, line of if, thinking if, today. Well, if Jay Powell is looking at those numbers of expectations, and those expectations are driven by people who don't actually believe the, uh, uh, the forecasts that are coming from the, from the central bank, then he's going to have to up his game, isn't he? Because he's going to be looking and saying, well, they don't believe us. Uh, you know, whose forecast do we believe? Do we believe ours or do we believe, do we believe the market? And if we believe the market, we're going to have to up our game. Well, potentially, yes. So I think you're right. So data-driven is, is, is probably the right way to, to think about this. Mm. You know, the Fed has been blindsided as central banks the world over have been uh, by inflation. So, um, you know, I mean, looking at the new forecasts for um, for PCE inflation, they've got headline uh, lifted this year from 4.3 to 4 to 5.2. Um, but if I look at 2024, they've actually revised it down from 2.3 to 2.2 on the headline with the core rate in 2024 is actually unchanged at 2.3. So, um, you know, I think there are, there are clearly some heroic assumptions some, some behind that. And if, if, you know, so this year is sort of, you know, baked in the cake, but if, you know, if the numbers continue to get higher, then, um, as I say, the, the messaging from the Fed may have to change. As, and they've clearly been prepared to change on effectively one data point, right? The CPI number was enough to, to, to tilt the consensus from 50 to 75. So, you know, what happens with another upside surprise? You'd say the market will move back to, to expecting 75, not 50 at, mm. the, uh, at, the, at the next July meeting. Well, front loading is what uh, Jerome Powell described it as today, didn't he? The quicker they rise, the quicker they, uh, they can fall seems to be the uh, the principle, you know, if they can fix the problem quickly. And Mark Carney, the former governor of the Bank of England, was saying pretty much the same thing overnight. If you're behind, then it makes sense to get in front of it all, he said on uh, Bloomberg TV overnight. Uh, of course, he's not the head of the Bank of England anymore, but you have to wonder whether they are going to uh, follow the Fed down this road. Is there any sign at all? I mean, the, the whole approach is fairly dovish for the Bank of England, but any sign that they may actually follow the Fed a bit more aggressively, perhaps, than they had perhaps otherwise been planning? Well, markets certainly aren't expecting it. I was looking at the, uh, the Bloomberg survey um, last night, and I think sort of 47 of 48 analysts polled are expecting 25, and the market's only got, I think it's got about 30 basis points. 
points. So a little bit of an expectation that they might do 50. But, you know, I think in, to some extent the, the Bank of England is an outlier here. It's, um, you know, it sort of sees the, the cure for high inflation to be high inflation and what that is doing to real incomes. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, you've talked, you know, we've talked before, um, I think last week, the OECD is, is the, you know, it's got the UK as the one economy where it's prepared to say, you know, you're going to have a hard landing effectively or, you know, you're going to have stagflation is coming to the UK uh, sooner than anywhere else in the world. And I think that will still be the line that we'll hear um, from the Bank of England. So, um, you know, mm. certainly our, our view is that uh, it's 25, not 50 tonight, but the signalling will clearly be important. And, um, you know, we're not expecting a significant change in, change in message from the bank, but um, we've all yeah. learned to be somewhat surprised, haven't we, in recent and, and months? We so have, we have, exactly. That's why I just flagged the, flagged the question. But we had an emergency meeting with the ECB overnight, of course, uh, which was called very quickly. This is to manage fragmentation. In other words, they're worried about what rising interest rates are going to do to the borrowing costs for governments in southern Europe. We've talked about that on the podcast a bit uh, over the uh, the last few days. So they're launching an anti-fragmentation tool. That'll do it, uh, which pres- I presume that just means they're going to buy more sovereign debt from, from those countries through, you know, through QE. Is, is that the direction I'm trying to make what the outcome really was today, apart from the fact they're going to launch this tool, whatever it does, plug it in and turn it on? Well, exactly. But uh, presumably it's going to be some variant of the, of the existing PET program and uh, you know, as Gavin's been saying, the, you know, the, the PEP program is there to be used effectively in the short term in terms of they'll juggle you know, how they reinvest the proceeds from maturing bonds and obviously they can skew the purchases um, towards the euro peripheral. So you know, the market's already sort of pretty heavily discounted that in the moves that we've seen in euro peripheral spreads where um, I think uh, the Italian spreads in about 25 basis points over Germany and Greece about 35 basis points. Um, but I imagine that some of the... Uh, some of the ECB council members would have been saying, well, hang on, the uh, the PET, the, the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Programme, you know, was designed for one purpose only, really, which was to get us through the pandemic. We're through that. Um, so it's not appropriate to turn this into a permanent instrument, hence the instruction um, out of the meeting for, for the council to go away and come up with a new, as you say, anti-fragmentation instrument, which um, mm. doubtless we'll be hearing about uh, probably at the next uh, scheduled governing council meeting. But, um, you know, but certainly, you know, it's, there's no doubt that, um, you know, the ECB is very determined to see those uh, see those spreads come in. And, uh, you know, it's obviously given a little bit of a, a breather to, to the euro, um, you know, on top, obviously, of, of the broad based US dollar slippage that we've seen post Fed. Yeah. And those uh, falls that we've seen in those southern European uh, bond yields as well today, uh, although they look quite small compared to, you know, look on the graph of how much they've risen so far this year. Uh, look, New Zealand's GDP is out very soon. It was 3% Q on Q in Q4, uh, which is really rectifying a 3.7% fall that we saw uh, in the previous quarter. So uh, what is he going to do today, up or down? It's going to be somewhere between minus 0.2 and plus 0.9 if I look at the spread <laughs> of market <laughs> estimates. Um, consensus there is, is at about 0.6 uh, at being NZ colleagues are a little bit pessimistic. They're looking for something flat, but um, they're also looking for a you know a, a pretty strong rebound as far as Q2 is concerned. They're saying two percent currently with upside risks. So um, I think the numbers can be probably dismissed as backward looking, whatever they whatever they show at least. And, and the RBNZ, for what it's worth, was uh, was predicting 0.7% for, for Q1 in its most recent uh, mm. uh, MPS. So uh, anyway, but uh, big spread of market estimates, so doubtless that'd be a little bit of a surprise. 
that's the first thing when that prints. And uh, two big numbers from from the United States, or two things that obviously are very uh, important to watch when you're looking at inflation. One is oil, uh, and uh, we saw oil inventories rising in the United States, actually. 1.9 million extra barrels last week when it's ex- expected to go down. So we had a, a, a fall in demand, it seems, which makes uh, sense. And yet, oil prices are down today. It doesn't make a great deal of sense, but I guess... Oil is all over the place every day, isn't it? It is actually. So um, yes, it's uh, if you want excitement, trading markets, and you know, and Bitcoin's not for you. Oil has always been one of the uh, <laughs> one of the racier instruments to do. So I haven't got my head around the uh, you know what's happened in the last twenty four hours. Or yeah. so. And just going back to the uh, maybe you just asked me that, but on the, we've got the New Zealand GDP, but obviously Australian uh, employment numbers coming out at eleven thirty this morning, and, and we're looking for a pretty decent print there 30,000 I think the market's at 25,000 and you know maybe that unemployment rate does tick down to 3.8 from 3.6 if those sorts of employment mm. numbers are realized but um, you know it was the Easter period so you know we always attach health warnings about seasonal factors etc. Well I'm wondering no is it good or bad if we see unemployment rise I mean Jerome Powell was standing at the podium uh, in his press conference really I mean he was feeling very uncomfortable this but he was effectively saying fewer jobs is good for tackling inflation. Well ultimately that is that you know that is uh, you know there's some elements of inflation particularly to do with food and energy that simply can't be be tackled but we do have as you know we say ad nausea there is a difference between demand and supply and if somewhat fewer people are in work and if wages are not uh, keeping pace with uh, with inflation then um, you know consumers will vote with their wallet and then you know that may help to bring down you know some of those elements of inflation that are sort of outside the the purview of central banks in terms of uh, things like food and energy so um, unfortunately um, you know a a less strong labor market is seen by central banks um, and history would would indicate that view as, as as part of a solution to containing inflation. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't get too bad. Uh, now uh, we also have jobless claims in the United States as well. The the weekly numbers tonight. I mean, they've been coming down for the last six months or so until May when they started to uh, to climb again. Which Jerome Powell based on what we just said, is probably going to be very happy about it. And uh, the Bank of England as well, of course. So uh, a lot coming up over the next 24 hours, but we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. I'll catch you again soon, Ray. Thanks, Phil. And we'll see what the next day brings as it uh, settles down after the uh, Fed. Dave DeGaris will be joining us from NAB in London tomorrow morning to talk about all of that. I'm Phil Darby for NAB. I'll be back tomorrow morning too. Thanks for listening in this morning. Have a great day.